Good morning. Welcome to worship. Our gospel today is from the fourth chapter of John, beginning at verse 5. Glory to you, O Lord. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. And Joseph's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from a journey, he sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? Because his disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give will become in him a a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go and call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said, You are right when you say that you have no husband. In fact, you have had five husbands, and the man with whom you are now with is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain because you Jews claim that, but you Jews claim that the place where we worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. And yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called the Christ is coming, and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus declared to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples returned, and they were surprised to find him talking with a woman, But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar behind, the woman went back to town and said to the people, come and see a man who has told me everything I have ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged urged Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, "I I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And then the disciples said to him, Could someone else have bought him food? My food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages, and even now he harvests the crops for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. 
Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me, many, he, he told me everything I ever did was her testimony to them. And so when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed an additional two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. The Gospel of our Lord. I invite you to pray with me the Holy Spirit prayer in our time of meditation together this morning. Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and we shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit, who instructs the hearts of the faithful, grant that by the same Holy Spirit we may be made truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolations. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. I think for us, in order for us to get, in order for us to really truly understand the significance and the radical nature of this encounter between Jesus and this Samaritan woman, we need to get a sense of context. To say the least, we know from history and from biblical scholarship that there was this deep, deep-seated opposition and hostility between the Samaritan and Jewish people. Their religious expression through worship was separate. Their spiritual, their, their scriptural authority was different. Their sacrificial life and the way in which they offered up sacrifices in their holy days, they were celebrated differently. And their understanding of religious authority was also in conflict. The Samaritans, they recognized the Levite priests as their authority. And the Jewish folk, they, they saw the religious authority coming from the teachings of the rabbis. And it was not uncommon, it was not uncommon at all when they traveled, that people, especially the people of the Jewish faith, they would go out of their way to avoid Samaritan territory and take a longer route to their destinations. As one of my sources wrote, by the time that Jesus meets this woman at the well, the enmity between Jews and Samaritans is ancient, it is entrenched, and it is bitter. This encounter between Jesus, a Jewish man, and this Samaritan woman, it would have been considered absolute, absolutely inappropriate. For a Jewish man to be alone with a Samaritan woman, much less to ask for a drink of water, this kind of thing was simply not done. If you were to have a checklist of all the taboos and of all the things considered to be inappropriate, this is one of those encounters in which almost every single item on that checklist would be checked off. Now to also get a greater understanding of the significance of this encounter, it might be interesting for you to know that of all of Jesus' conversations recorded in the New Testament, this 
is the longest recorded conversation between Jesus and any person in the New Testament. Theologian Barbara Brown Taylor also points out that this woman, she is the first person, and not only is she the first person, she is the first ethnic and religious outsider to whom Jesus reveals his identity in the Gospel of John. And this might be even the most compelling fact of all, she says, is that she, this woman, is the first believer in any of the Gospels to straight away become an evangelist and bring her entire city to a saving knowledge of Jesus. That helps us, I think, in our knowing the significance of how important this encounter was between Jesus and this Samaritan woman. This story is unique only to the Gospel of John. All the other Gospels do not record this story, and yet this is perhaps one of the most significant encounters that Jesus has with any person throughout his life. Last week we heard of the encounter between Jesus and Nicodemus. And the difference in the circumstances and the setting between those two encounters are profoundly different and almost opposing. Nicodemus came by night. The Samaritan woman came at midday. Nicodemus, a well-known religious leader, the Samaritan woman considered by the Jewish faith as an outsider, as a foreigner, even though Jesus would probably be considered the foreigner within this community. Nicodemus, a symbol of power and influence. This woman standing as a symbol of poverty and stigma. Those are just to name a few of those profoundly differences, those profound differences between this encounter between Nicodemus and this Samaritan woman. But it was in that encounter, it was in that encounter with Nicodemus that Jesus shared the beauty and the radical nature of God's love. When he told Nicodemus that oh-so-familiar passage that all of us know so well, for God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. It was in our conversations this past Tuesday in the men's fellowship, and I believe it was Pastor Al, he uh, paraphrased, I think he was paraphrasing, I don't think he was exactly quoting uh, her word for word, but there's a, a woman, she's, her name is Reverend Ann Carter Florence, she's a professor of preaching at Columbia Theological Seminary, and he said that what she had said about this particular, this particular encounter, she says that this encounter between Jesus and the Samaritan woman tells us the most about the fulfillment of Jesus' words from John 3.16. I think that's something for us to think about this week. I hope you take some time this week to consider that, about the significance of this promise that Jesus makes in John 3.16 and 17, and take the story of the Samaritan woman and glue, meld the two together. And I think you will find that what, what uh, Reverend Carter Florence says is really very true. 
I mean, this story really does it all in helping us to understand the meaning of John 3.16. I mean, there was a lot there. I mean, this, this was 37 verses that I read to you today. And there's just a lot of stuff in there. There's just a lot to take in, to digest about this encounter and this conversation that Jesus has with this Samaritan woman. There's so much there, especially for us to Godology to theologically think about. And that's, I think that's one of the important things that we are all called to do, that we are all to you know, think theologically about how God relates and how God interprets how God flows through our lives through these various encounters, how God encounters us and touches us personally and communally and corporately, how it touches us in our relationships, how it touches us in the way in which we are living and how we are relating to people just not only in our, in our church here alone but also in our neighborhoods and in the greater Lake Havasu community and even beyond that, how we as human beings relate to, to one another in our society and our culture. It teaches us much about how we in our culture view and look upon the outsider, upon the foreigner, how we treat others who are not like us, who worship, who worship differently than us, who live differently than us, who come from a different racial and ethnic background. There's just a whole lot of stuff here for us to process and think about when we think about this encounter that Jesus has had with this Samaritan woman. And yet at the same time, I ask you this question, does this story, does this encounter really surprise us at all? Throughout our, our life of faith, ask yourself, who is the Jesus that you have come to know and to believe in? The incarnate, living, divine presence in the world in the person of Jesus Christ. Do we really see in Jesus the living presence of the kingdom of God who came not only as Jesus says, the kingdom of God has now come in my being here, but because of his death and resurrection and victory over death and grave, that he is still coming to us in spirit and truth. Do we really see Jesus, the living presence of the God who loved and is still loving the world so much? God loves the world beyond our comprehension. We can't even begin to comprehend how much God loves the world and that he invites us to believe in his love for us, that he will look upon us with eyes and with a heart and a divine love that does not condemn, that does not exclude, that does not discriminate. He will not marginalize. Rather, the Lord and Savior of our lives is the one who extends to us grace upon grace. The song that we used to sing at camp, mercy is falling, is falling, is falling. It's falling like sweet spring rain. Jesus rains down the waters of mercy that well up to eternal life. 
And as I said last week in my sermon, as I explained to you what the word eternal life means, that this is an eternal life that is not just something that's into the future, but it is an eternal life that we live right now in the here and now throughout our actual living. Who is the Jesus who you have come to know and to believe in? Or have we got ourselves trapped? Have we got ourselves trapped by putting Jesus conveniently into our own little box? Or have we come to know a radical, inviting, including Lord through these stories in the Gospel? As I reflect upon this encounter today between Jesus and this Samaritan woman, I see and I hear the Jesus who says, as he's face to face with this Samaritan woman, I hear him say yes to inclusion. I hear him saying yes to dignity. I hear him saying yes to empowerment. And I hear him say yes to affirmation. What did Jesus do when he, when he had this conversation and had this, this encounter with this woman? He was including her. He, he treated her with dignity. He empowered her and he affirmed her for who she was and who she could eventually become and who she did become. I don't see anything in here that has anything to do with marginalization. I don't see anything in this gospel story today that has anything to do with gender discrimination or religious hostility, no stigmatization, or there no socioeconomic poverty. I see none of that. Because that's not what Jesus is all about. Now I realize that I cannot, I cannot simplify this by giving you kind of a, I don't know, this is, this is going to be kind of an off-the-wall um, illustration. But I think it makes a point. And I know that the issues and the complexities of our relationships that we have with one another and with humanity and with culture and society, it's difficult. But I want to share with you just something this week that's kind of stuck with me and it makes any sense to you at all. I don't know if it's going to make sense at all, but this is an image that's been stuck in my brain all week long. One of my good retired camp director friends sent me a Facebook post this week. It was a photograph of five Labrador retrievers. Beautiful photograph. Beautiful photograph. There was a black, there was a black and a brown and a yellow and a golden and a white Labrador Retriever. Five dogs in the picture. Beautiful dogs. And the caption read, these are Labrador Retrievers in a variety of colors. They are loved and treated equally no matter their color. When it comes down to it, they are all labs. They're just Labrador dogs. And the final caption was, dear humans, be better, be more like labs. I don't know if that makes any sense to you, but it, it just, it's an image that's stuck in my mind and it makes all kinds of sense. It's, it's, and, it's, and life is too, extremely difficult. And, the, and, the, and, the, and the, the difficulties that we're having, not only in the world, but in our own culture, um, it's, uh, it, it, it speaks, speaks volumes to me. Deb Thomas helps us today as she writes that Jesus invites us to look at the Samaritan woman 
and to see a sister and to see a fellow believer in Christ. Not a harlot, not a heretic, not a foreigner or a threat. Someone from our men's fellowship, upon reflecting on this story this week, said, Jesus knows everything about me, and yet he still loves me. I want to conclude today by having you listen to some words from Deb Thomas. And as you hear them, I'd like to have you hear them as if Jesus is speaking to you right now. I see you for who you are, and I love you. Now see me for who I am. This is Jesus speaking to us. Now see me for who I am, the Messiah, the one in whom you can find freedom, love, healing, and transformation. I am the Messiah, the one in whom you can find spirit and truth, eternal life, and living water. And finally, the words that Jesus is saying to us today, Drink of me and live. Amen. Please join me now as we confess our faith with the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now please join me in the Lord's Prayer. Our, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless us and keep us. The Lord make his, make it, may the Lord look upon us with favor and give us peace. Amen. <laughs>